Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking with Edie Falco about her role in Law & Order True Crime, The Menendez Murders. Stay tuned. Edie Falco, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate you stopping by. Happy to be here. Tell us, uh, congratulations on your Emmy nomination for your work in Law & Order True Crime, The Menendez Murders. Yes, it was a really uh, riveting uh, revision of a time of a of a case that, of course, so many people remember. It was it was uh, even before OJ, and it was just as we're, we were really starting to see this intense media coverage of of a very sordid case. What made you say yes to playing defense attorney Leslie Abramson? It was um, a big news item, but it was not what a big news item is today. So it was only peripherally in my awareness at the time. And all I knew it was these two sort of bratty Beverly Hills kids who killed their parents, and that's where I put it in my head, and that was the end of it. But once I sat down with Dick Wolf and he told me what the real story was, it's so funny in a time of fake news how, <laughs> how, uh, how much that affected me, that I had just been told, uh, you know, inaccuracies about that story and a terrible injustice had been done and that was uh that was moving to me so that's how I got involved did you have you met Leslie Abramson did you get a chance to talk with her she was not uh interested in becoming involved in this they did approach her and uh very few people wanted to revisit this her in particular I think um it is my either my understanding or my being surmising that this was not one of the happier chapters in her life and didn't want to participate. It as it the miniseries makes clear it's a it's a huge commitment when a defense attorney takes on a case like this. Right. And, and she was such the such the advocate right. for them, you know. She really cared about these guys and Eric in particular. Um you know, who's to say what's an appropriate amount of involvement? But she was in there. She was in very deep, and they were young kids, you know. Did you get a sense of, I mean, the miniseries makes absolutely clear that she she even says at one point, I know they did it, mm-hmm. but they deserve the best defense we can give them. Right. Um, do you, what drove her, you know, all-consuming passion to see what measure of what she be- believed to be justice for these for the brothers? Well, I certainly can not tell you that definitively. I don't know. But um, I think she was aware of the ramifications of, of uh, consistent um, child abuse and, and historical child abuse because uh, it was not just the parents of these boys, but their parents. You know, this went on for generations. And 
the effects of it don't just go away. Nobody's above the law, and it's never okay to murder. But it is important that people understand the um, what came first. And I think that really moved her, uh, or it certainly made me understand how she might be moved to really take these take this on in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, going back to that period of the early '90s, those boxy suits and the and the big jackets. What was it like for you to put your mind back to? A period that you know you obviously lived through and probably you know remember that fashion sense. It was it. Uh... Yeah. Well, I, I didn't have the kind of job at the time that would require wearing those things very often, but um, <laughs> I certainly, you know, was privy to them and clearly understood why they are long gone. Uh, but it was also fun. I mean, it was so well done uh, between you know the the set design and costumes, and it was such a a, a good, talented bunch of people working on it in that regard, that you really can just fall into a um, a little bit of a time warp, because everywhere you looked was an extra or a character dressed appropriately, carrying the appropriate, you know, um, briefcase or whatever, and it was it's very interesting. It's a real kind of a mind game, but that's, you know, I don't know, to some extent what acting is. So. Yeah, and a time, you know, just before the internet changed everything, a time before everybody had a telephone and a right. computer in their hands. Right, that's mm-hmm. right. You were very fancy if you had anything that even approximated that kind of technology. Yeah. Um, in terms of, to bring Leslie to life, in terms of your process and your research, do, is it the kind of thing you'll, will you look at footage of her? Will you look at photos of her? Will you try to embody visually what you, you know, what she looked like back then? I mean, she, ha- she was a very specific character, physically and otherwise, and it was important to get some of the larger uh, Characteristics of who this woman was, but I was not interested in doing a, a you know a, a, an imitation of her physically. And you know, I, I and I did watch plenty of footage. Um, there's certainly much less than if this was happening now. But how she looked, how she comported herself—don't even know if that's a word—comported. Anyway, um, uh, how how she, her hair was a big part of who this woman was. Mm-hmm. Um, a consummate New Yorker, the way she spoke the way she carried herself. So that stuff was important and interesting to me. But more important is what the story was about and and, uh, how important it was to her. Her motivation for doing it, yeah. Right. Um, Have you ever played a real person that is essentially a contemporary real person who's still living that people can can judge your look versus, you know? No, I don't believe I have. Um, I've played people based on real people and I've met those real people, but it was very clear that that it was not to you know look like them or sound like them. So no, this was the first time, and it is a little you know I didn't know how I would feel about it, but it did become clear early on. This is people knew who she was, but it wasn't like uh, people were going to say, "Oh, that's not what she looked like." You know what I mean? It was more like it's a, a suggestion of who she was, and then you know to sort of internalize the words that we had, many many of which were actually taken from the actual testimony so right you had a you had you know, her you real know, stuff the thousands real, of pages undoubtedly right. of, of her of yeah. her real stuff the real words mm-hmm. from her brain yeah now this was of course part of the law and order world and i know it's a it's something that nbc hopes will be a recurring kind of true crime franchise 
actually not not too far removed from the era of that Menendez crime, you were on the original Law and Order a couple of episodes playing a defense attorney. How was it for you to, to insert yourself back into that world 25 years later? It was such a long time ago and so much, there's been so much water under the bridge since then. So, you know, <laughs> Many I, characters. I, right. When I, when I finish a project, it very quickly kind of disappears into the ether and becomes... Uh, you know, a memory. So it was, uh, and because the time period was different, so it, it felt very, it, it felt very different. But um, Law and Order, and Law and Order, the whole franchise is like a staple of New York City acting, acting life. It's like a rite of passage. You have to have done a Law and Order, <laughs> you know, to be a legitimate actor. And uh, Dick Wolf has been really very supportive of me and kind to me in all the years that I've been in New York. Um, a real kind of peripheral figure in my life that has, um, you know, everybody should have one or two of them that just, I always felt like he believed in me and he, he thought I could do good work and I was very, uh, you know, moved that he thought of me for this and thought that I could do it and all that. He's a good man and he's got, he's got a good thing going, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's, got, something, he's got something going <laughs> he right there. He quit his day yeah. job, I think. Was um, was those early Law and Order appearances, like in I think nineteen ninety three, ninety four? Would you say those were big builders for your career? I never know. <laughs> I never know what leads to anything else. But um, it was legitimate for me. It was like mm-hmm. a legitimate job, and I had a fitting, and you know all the things that you know <laughs> made it seem like wow, I'm working. You know, um, and I was working with I worked with Michael Moriarty to this day, one of the best actors I've ever worked with, and. Uh, same with Sam Waterston and people I, I respected a great deal. It was one of the first times I actually got to say words to in a, in a scene with these actors I really respected. It was an exciting time. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward 25 years, you know, we're in this incredible moment of, of content and creativity and, and outlets for mm-hmm. all, all manner of shows mm-hmm. and 500 and odd on the air. Oof. How do you, I have no doubt your phone rings every day with somebody, I have the part for you. How do you go about selecting? How do you, how do you decide what you're going to do in any given period? Whatever it is that makes a decision like that um, is not in my, uh, my intellectual brain. You know what I mean? I have some sort of system that, I, that works that I don't entirely understand. I read it, and if it's something I want to continue reading or something that makes my heart rate increase literally it's likely something that I'll do. I'll tell you what, it doesn't happen a lot because I've worked on some really good stuff and, you know, they're, they're hard to live up to and I see no reason to kind of go backwards. Um, so it's not always easy choosing. Uh, and there are other variables. I live in New York and I like to work in New York, so that's a big one. My kids are here and I don't just pick up and go to, you know, Zimbabwe for six months. So uh, it's limiting. But... Um, if I read something and, and it seems uh, interesting to me, usually for reasons I can't articulate, that will be the next thing I do. Mm-hmm. Do the the limited series like uh, Law & Order, True Crime, The Menendez Murders, it, are those, we're hearing a lot of actors saying those are really kind of wonderful because you can commit for a significant but not an an open-ended commitment. Right. Does that appeal to you, that this sort of rise of the limited series or what we used to know as miniseries? Right, exactly. Yeah, it does. It does. I can't say it appeals to me more than ongoing series. The truth is, I mean, for 20 years I did Sopranos and Nurse Jackie, and it is the ideal job for me. 
I love the ongoingness of them. I don't like sitting around waiting to find out if, if there is an ongoingness to them. But, right, um, right. But the idea that the story would continue as li- you know, people's lives continue, um, it just it suits me. So, but the on the you know the eight part thing is also fun, and you know so is a movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are very few things I, you know, I would say. Oh, I would never do one of those. I, each has its own charm and 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 disadvantages. Mm-hmm. So, are you in the market for a new series? It's been a couple of years since show as uh, since Nurse Jackie ended its run on Showtime. Yeah, for sure. I do. Uh, I love the the the. Um, the venue, you know, I, I love the idea um, of knowing who a character is. You kind of establish that in the first part of the season, the first season, and then you kind of get an idea of who this person is, and that let's see her go through all kinds of different things. There's that, and personally, you know, I just like working. I like working, and I like working consistently. I love showing up on a set where I know everybody, and we have a rapport. I mean, I mean it really is. Uh, it, it's the ideal job for me. Mm-hmm. Well, here's hoping that something something <laughs> something crosses your desk that there is makes a lot your heart, going on right now. Your heart you know? race. Yeah, yeah. We'll is, see. Is there anything in the in the pipeline that is of interest to you right now? Or? There might be. Mm-hmm. There might you know there are little ideas glimmering in places. But now the the industry changing so quickly. I don't know. You know the companies. Oh, it's being done by you know like I don't know the frigid air or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. I, I don't even I have no idea what's going on these days. So. And, you know, they already have the money or they don't have the money and they want to use your name to get the money. I don't know what anything means anymore. But um, lots of ideas come across my my desk that I don't have. <laughs> um, you know, some more and less interesting than others. But I, I just, I never know what's going to happen. Until I have a script in front of me and a call time, I just, you know, it's mm-hmm. all just talk. But I imagine that you and your representatives have to be wary of the idea that somebody's going to say, oh, I've got Edie Falco attached, and right. now I'm going to go out and right. get, you know, I'm going to scour Europe for the financing. That's right. That's, that's got to be I don't, something. I'm not crazy about that. Yeah, I mean, no. it seems to be happening more and more, and I just, because the second I read a script and I, I find it interesting, some part of my brain is already gathering information. I don't do it on purpose. And then they're like, ah, the money fell through. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? You know, I've already invested you know, um, uh, by accident, is mm-hmm. a certain amount of psychic energy to the project. So that's a new phenomenon, that one that I'm not crazy about. Mm-hmm. Tell us about, I know you recently made a movie for Netflix, The Land of Steady Habits, right. with Ben Mendelsohn and Connie Britton. Right. Sounds like a pretty good cast. Yeah, and Nicole Hollister, that, oh. you know, right. who, which was the original appeal for me. I've been a fan the of director. her movies. The director. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been a fan of her movies forever. Um, we all kind of came up together in the independent film scene, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, I've loved her movies, and many of my friends have worked with her, so I was so thrilled that uh, they thought of me for this. She's great. She's great and smart and... Uh, she doesn't, you know, a lot of early directors, like people who are new, have a certain kind of panicky energy, and they're never sure they got the right, you know, the right number of takes or whatever. The fact that she's been doing this for a while, and I've been doing it, we can really just get down to what's important. What is the scene about? You know, what's the best way to, to tell the story and all that stuff. Um, ben Mendelsohn is a force to be reckoned with. He's like a, he's like a sparkler. You know, that's what he feels like, like a Fourth of July sparkler. He's just got crazy energy. So interesting and such a such a good guy. And uh, Connie, I really only met in the trailer, and she seemed absolutely lovely. That's all I can say about that. And she's great in the movie, really great. The years, of course, 
you you are so known for Carmela Soprano. You're known for your dramatic acting, stage acting, but you've very often shown a comedic side. You had a great couple episodes of Thirty Rock back in the day, and you know Nurse Jackie was an, an, a really sometimes surreal blend yes. of pathos and bathos. Would you be open to doing something to committing to a show that was that was straight comedy, a series? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I could do an eight-part miniseries because <laughs> committing to a long term of that, I just the truth is I don't know because I've never done an ongoing thing like that. But the uh, the, the the nourishment I get from doing a non-comedic series or a non you know completely comedic series is uh, you know telling deeper stories about people and whatever the way their emotional lives work and the way people relate. You know, I get fed in a certain way from those things and comedy is its own animal and great joy to do a play or an episode of something but I don't know if it would be satisfying for me in the way that I need to be satisfied by this work that I do I just don't know is the answer to that but the idea of of just doing a straight you know if someone's advertised it to me it's a comedy and you know she's really goofy and she always wears this red nose you know <laughs> I feel like I just don't, I think you may not have the right gal for that one you need you need the depth I think I do yeah. I think I do but I mean Tina Fey in, in Thirty Rock, you know, it, it was it was, uh, and uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus in Veep, like it's it's that stuff is is spectacular work, and I'm sure it is its own kind of uh, reward. I, it's just not something I'm familiar with. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks about it starting to come together. David Chase is bringing a Sopranos prequel movie together. Has David Chase approached you at all or even talked to you about about what he's thinking with that project? Not at all. I found out about it like everybody else, I think, on the news. And I think my agent called and said, has he contacted you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've certainly seen him since then. uh, And Larry Connor, the other writer. Um, But yeah, it is, is, you know, I would say completely unrelated. Not really, but uh, certainly to anything that I would have anything to do with. Um, I would be as excited as any fan of the show to see it, God knows, because the two of those guys together, David Chase and, and Lawrence Connor, it's very exciting, very exciting. Is there, I know this is a tough question, given the, given the passing of James Gandolfini, but is there any, any scenario in which you could see any of the Sopranos actors getting back together in, a, in some vehicle related to the Sopranos? I do, I could. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a writer. That's not a part of my brain that I uh, know or have, uh, you know, exercised. But, yeah, I, I even said to David once, and he kind of laughed at me, but I said, I think Carmela should take over the family business. I think she knows enough about it, and, you know, the guys would have to answer to her. And he was like, ha, ha. That was the end of that. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it is the land of uh, people just, you know, continuing old series and stuff, and mm-hmm. I think there's a part of me that also is – not thrilled with that. Like, it, I love the fact that we ended it when we did, and, and we could walk away from something being very proud of it. So it is. I mean, it's likely that that is what will happen. Mm-hmm. Are there any? Do you do you have any from the Sopranos? Any friendships that have really endured? Any any of the actors or people my closest that friend on is Aida Dutoro. She's at my house right now as we speak. Oh, is that right? And yes, and I'll be going to her house for the weekend. Um, <laughs> so yes, I see her quite a bit. She played Janice. Uh, Once your sister-in-law, sister. always That's your sister. always the sister-in-law, that's right. 
And uh, Eileen Landris was one of the producers. She and I are mm-hmm. still very close. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, I'm always at least a little bit in touch with um, a lot of the other actors and a lot of the crew people. It really was a very special time, certainly in my life, um, because the show was well-received, but also because to go through that with a bunch of people, to start out like, I don't know, we'll see what the show is, and if people watch it, and to have it turn into this very successful thing, it's quite a thing to go through with a bunch of young actors. Uh, you never know if you're even going to work, and then something like this happens, and it's really, it is, it is turbulent, and mostly good, but also a little, you know, can uh, set you off your balance a little bit. Yeah, there are a lot of attendant dramas that right. can come in success especially that, that's right now, Jim Gandolfini told me once that some guy was like oh my god I love you he picked up his shirt he had a tattoo of Tony Soprano on his back huge and Jim was like you know was one of those moments where he was like this is so much bigger than I thought this would be or like and that's you know he was a very regular guy from New Jersey it's intense you know you can't wash that off you know what I mean that's there forever so it was weird. Some weird stuff to get used to. I did an interview with you a couple of years ago in a ho- in a hotel in in the village. And as we walked through, we went to to a, a small quiet room. And as we walked through the hotel, the hotel lobby coffee area, I, as we walked through, every head turned and rec- and recognized you. Is that something? I mean, this was Edie Falco walking th- walking through the hotel, and everybody th- then left and went out and said, "Oh my God, you won't believe who I saw today, Edie Falco." Is that something that is, as you said, is that is that hard to get used to? Is that something that you know that you're going to deal with on some level when you walk out of the house? Or well, you know, I I have no memory of that. I have to say, first <laughs> okay. of all, and I I can't imagine that that's actually how it occurred. I will just say that you know I've been walking through the streets of Manhattan for. You know, I've been living here since whatever, for like 30-something years. So I have learned to kind of tune it out. So whoever may or may not be paying attention to me, it, 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 has, nothing, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with this thing that I do for a living, and then it's transmitted into their living room. You know what I mean? If I, at any point, start to think it has something to do with the me that's walking my kid to the bus stop, you know, that then all hell breaks loose. But... um I imagine it would be like like my daughter has bright red hair, and she all the time. Oh my God, that hair is so beautiful! You know, it's people notice things, and you know you can deal with it in whatever way you want. I feel like something I came to understand is celebrity has two participants. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have right. to decide that you're going to play the part of the celebrity if that is what you are to become, and that has never been interesting to me. I really am just a New Yorker even after achieving a measure of yeah. awards and fame and you know and the truth is if they stop me and say oh you know some nice thing or something that's a constant source of of nourishment for me you know um it can only be good it's only it only feels good unless people are like a, oh come well, can you just stop for a second and call my sister in cincinnati or whatever yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> that kind of thing gets a little you, you know, got places uh, to go that's people right. to meet right? that's right and I, I do have to get my daughter to the bus you know but and my kids are like rolling their eyes like they're, they're kind of over it at this point but um they're good and bad things about it like anything would you find, would you say most of your encounters with people that recognize you are respectful or oh for sure mm-hmm. The ones that, you know, uh, didn't like the portrayal of Italian-Americans or the ones who uh, were opposed to the idea of nurses taking drugs, 
you know, they for the most part don't approach me. They tell their friends. <laughs> you know? Oh, she just sashayed yeah, by me. Yeah, <laughs> I hated that show. Do you do you, when people do talk to you? Is it is it equal measure Sopranos Nurse Jackie, or would you say it's more Sopranos? I'm going to say equal measures. Um, I'm so, I was I've been surprised by some of the enthusiasm for for the for Nurse Jackie that has been expressed to me, and maybe that's just in the moment. You know, people maybe they just saw an episode or something, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think it's equal measures. I mean, Sopranos was 20 years ago at this point. or what, I mean, the last episode was 10 years ago, but yeah. we started in 97. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, quite some time. Yeah, it's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. And also next up for you later this year, you're doing a play, an off-Broadway play called The Truth. Tell yes, us about it. Yes, I am. It. Start rehearsals shortly. Uh, I'm so excited. It's been a long time since I've done a play. And again, I read this play. I don't think I even knew who... I don't think I even knew who was producing it or where it was being performed or anything and I read it and was like yeah yeah I gotta do this just a smart political drama takes place in the 70s a lot of really good actors are in it Um, and it is off Broadway which means a much less a much less uh, um, I I can't think of words anymore difficult uh, commitment time wise so if you do a Broadway play you kind of want it to be successful but if it is that means you're going to be doing this for the next six years or whatever so um I'll be doing this through October at the Signature Theater. It's the new group, and Scott Elliott is directing. So I'm very excited. Do you, I mean, you have had a pretty consistent um, roster of stage, sorry, you've done a pretty consistent number of plays over the years, even in between your TV series. Is there something about working on stage that is important to you? Yeah, uh, it's very different, you know, um, and it reminds me of why I decided to pursue this in the first place. When you're a kid, at least in my world, you're not doing movies, you're doing plays at school, and my mother was an actress in community theater, so I would go with her, and then they started to give me little parts in the plays, and I, it really was the most magical thing I could imagine. Um, so, I mean, it really kind of still is, like I was telling somebody about, you rehearse in a room, you know, a simple room, and you put tape on the ground. This is where the kitchen will be, and then, and then there's that day, your first day, when you actually go to see the set that they've been working on, and you rehearse in the actual space, and it really it feels like Christmas. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a real kitchen. There's a couch. That's exactly how I pictured the couch in that scene. You know, anyway, there there's a lot of magic to be had from from uh, from doing a play, and the day to dayness of it of. Uh, Oh, last night was a great performance, and you know, two nights ago it was terrible, and then there was that night it rained and nobody showed up. It's really like a, it's like an organism, you know, um, and it really is very, very exciting, and I'm I'm thrilled to be doing one again. And Broadway's another story because it is, you know, eight shows a week for for sometimes months on end, and it really can it can it's very very hard work. It's very hard work. Like someone like Nathan Lane who just does play after play after play, that's a kind of stamina I cannot imagine. I, you know, I kudos to people who were able to do that yeah. and something like angels in america this you know yeah that's four a hour yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 anyway it's quite amazing gotcha um let me ask you the the entertainment industry has been through you know quite a period in the last year a lot of people have called it a reckoning about behavior about things that have been accepted uh, you know a level of bullying that can go from the mundane to really horrifying um as somebody who has been you know is, has come up through 
independent film and stage and into television. Can I ask you about, do you feel like there was there was a level of behavior that you had to accept as you were as you were building your career that maybe hopefully this moment is is shedding a light on hmm. was that has that been any of your experience to have any kind of harassment that was i have to say i have not been uh i don't have my own stories about this i i yeah, for whatever reason it just it's not something i've experienced firsthand um you know i have theories as to why that might be but i i don't uh, I, I can't say that I know for sure. Um, and then hearing the stories that people have lived through is just, you know, it's just mortifying. It's, you know, for lack of a better word, it is an exciting time that people are finding their voice and that they are able to talk about stuff that seemed like, you know, uh, you know, some people grow up with secrets about their family and this thing that they can never tell anyone or or all hell will break loose. And people are able to tell these stories now about things they've been through in this business. And it's just, uh, it really is like a, uh, you know, a chrysalis becoming a butterfly at this point for, you know, not to be corny, but that's, that's what I picture in my head. Um, and only good can come from this, like people finding their voice and, and speaking their darknesses that they've been through and people being having to be accountable for their behavior all of this is good all of this leads towards the balancing of the scales you know uh and to be a woman during this time when we are being given uh opportunities that we might not have been at another time i mean i feel i'm so blessed i've been so grateful you know I remember when I first started coming around, people were like, oh, it's hard for women to find... I have never, ever found that to be the case. I feel like I've been dropped into the universe of the entertainment industry always at exactly the right times. Like, for someone like Carmela Soprano, who is, you know, of questionable morality, um, who would have wanted, who, you know, in the days of Father Knows Best or whatever, there was no room for her. Same with Nurse Jackie. The fact that people are interested in seeing women who are conflicted and who are powerful and uh, vulnerable and, you know, there is such a wealth of, of personality types for women to be played at this time as, as our culture is going through this sort of rebirth. Anyway, it's part of life. Things change and grow and move, and it's always towards health, I have found, at least in this industry. You know, what's going on in our politics is another story, but... Um, this can only be good. It is certainly a, a moment in time, and as you say, I think that the, the 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 confluence of this opening and acceptance of voices and stories that that wouldn't have found a place in a three network world is exactly. it, it can't be coincidental. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I I feel like I've just was born at exactly the right time for this stuff. Well, TV fans and movie fans and stage fans would also agree. Edie Falco, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking with Judith Light about the assassination of Johnny Versace. And if you like the show, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know, too, who you want to hear from. What stars and producers should we invite on the show? Email us at podcast at variety.com. See you next time. Hold up. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.